Coming up on this week's show, Lisa from The Novel Approach is here with one holiday book, plus three from debut authors to recommend. We get ready to head back to Stars Hollow with the Gilmore Girls, plus we've got news of a huge gay fiction giveaway happening this week. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knaus. Welcome to episode 59 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillKnaus.com. Happy Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving week to you, sir. And to all of our U.S.-based listeners as well. We hope you're getting ready for a happy and joyous Thanksgiving holiday week. End. Week and weekend, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the all the above. <laughs> um, how are you doing this week? I'm fine. Awesome. Me too. You're busy. We, yeah, we're busy people here. <laughs> fill, fill, fill us in on the busyness of your past week. So, of course, NaNoWriMo continues. Uh, we went past the halfway point earlier this week uh, when we got past the 15th. Uh, sitting here as we record on the 20th, uh, I'm behind. Sad, but true. Uh, 27,597 words done, and I should have probably about 4,000 additional words than that by now, I think. Congratulations to the people that I've seen finish already. There are several authors I've seen in our Facebook feed uh, who have finished NaNo already, so congratulations to them. Keep it up, those of you who are still out there chugging away on it like I am. Um, I There's still time for me to hit 50K, uh, legitimately, even especially with the holiday weekend coming up. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Soon. And honestly, if I don't hit 50K, I'll hit the end of this novel that we're writing soon enough afterwards, mm -hmm. and we'll have a book done that we could start revising uh, to work with from there. So everybody keep going on it. Don't let Thanksgiving uh, get in your way, unless, of course, you want it to, and then take those days off and, and make whatever words you can. You have a big cover reveal coming up. I do. Love's Opening Night, uh, I think we talked about this last week, uh, yes. releases December 28th from Dream Spinner Press. Uh, I will be making a cover reveal on that this coming Wednesday, which will be the 23rd, I think, uh, to the folks who are on my email list. It'll also have a link that you can do a pre-order from DreamSpinner on that. Now, if you're not on my email list, you can go to jeffadamsrights.com and do a sign-up right there on the homepage. And when you do that, you'll get a free copy of Dancing for him, too. So you sign up for the email list, get a free ebook, see the cover reveal when I drop it this coming Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And you have something new appearing on audio as well. Yeah, we've talked about Rivals the last couple of weeks. Uh, Derek McLean finished up the editing on that, and it is in ACX approval right now, so I expect that to drop probably within the next week. ACX never tells you when it's going to happen. You'll get an email one day and says, Your ebook's approved, and it's on sale now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, shortly after it goes on sale, I will have a chance for some uh, podcast listeners to pick up a free copy as well. So we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. Uh, I think the other super ginormous news of the week is this big multi-author giveaway going on. Mm -hmm. uh, the Big Gay Fiction giveaway started off on a Sunday, November 20th, which is the day we're recording this, and it runs through Sunday, November 27th. 85 authors are involved in this giveaway where you can get free ebooks, full length novels, uh, novellas. Uh, in some cases, authors are giving away sample chapters of work to come or previews of one kind or another, and all you have to do to get these books is sign up for the author's newsletters. 
Uh, it's a tremendous offer. Um, I think we'll be stocking up on some books a little later this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way you can get in on this is to go to biggayfictionpodcast.com slash giveaway, and you'll be able to see all 85 books that are available. You'll just click on the cover, sign up for the ones you want, and they will become, they'll come flooding to your email box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a really fantastic opportunity. Um, if your TBR pile isn't big enough already, <laughs> this holiday weekend is your chance to stuff it full of really great, amazing books. Like Jeff said, there are over 85 authors taking part. Um, I cannot imagine that you won't find at least something that you're going to want to download. Um, it, the the breadth of selection is mm-hmm. vast. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, every subcategory you can possibly imagine. Um, so check it out. It is at biggayfictionpodcast.com slash giveaway. Yes. Really good stuff. Check it out. Yeah. And that is until, once again, the 27th. Yeah. You have until Sunday the 27th to... Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, stock up stock your stock up. up your e-reader. Stock up for the holidays. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Make sure to tell your friends about that too. If they possibly don't know about it, you know, get this shared because uh, we're looking for this to go as wide as possible. Because the more success the authors have on this now, the more chance we do bigger giveaways like this uh, in the future. Because exactly. as far as I know, and the authors that are in it, we think this is the first big push giveaway like this uh, that's happened. There's, of course, you know, book bub things that happen all the time. But this, we think, is the first time this many authors have come together uh, to do this kind of thing. And we've got other authors who either didn't have something prepared or were a little, you know, kind of wanted to wait and see what happens. So the more success that this has and the more downloads we have, uh, the bigger chance we'll have to do it again, mm-hmm. you know, sometime next year. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Now, I think you've got this week's top five. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Little fanfare there. Uh, these are the top five best-selling gay romance titles in the Amazon U.S. store for the week of November 20th, 2016. That would be Thanksgiving week. Okay, coming in at number five is Dirty Money, the latest impreg alpha male romance by Aiden Bates. Now, this one is interesting. Aiden Bates started writing uh, impreg romance uh, and Alpha Omega tropes uh, uh, in sort of the shifter subgenre. He has now moved into contemporary romance, but he is continuing uh, with those impreg and Alpha Omega themes. Mm. So uh, it's a little bit uh, different. No uh, crazy wolf shifting is happening. It's a contemporary romance with uh, those traditionally... Uh, shifter themes in it. Interesting. So and apparently it's it's struck an audience so far at least. <laughs> yeah, it's doing really well. Coming in at number four is Falling Down by Eli Eli I'm sorry, Eli Easton. Uh that was the same spot from last week. Coming in at number three is Dying to Be Loved, the start of the new series by Amy Nicole Walker. And that title was actually number one last week. Coming in at number two is Tricked, Bewildered, and Bitten by Sandrine Gasdion. It is book 25 in in her Assassin Shifter series. So congrats to you, Sandrine. That's pretty badass, I think. 25. Well done. I love the title. (laughs) And coming in at number one is A Protector's Family Christmas by Sloane Kennedy. And that is the newest Christmas theme uh, installment in her Protector's series. 
So congratulations to all those authors on the success that they have been having recently. Those were the top five gay romance titles for the week beginning Sunday the 20th. Links for these titles can be found in the show notes for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Now, earlier this week, we had a question from one of our listeners, and they wanted to know a little bit more about this new Top 5 segment. Uh, First, they wanted to know if we have read all of the books that we have mentioned. Uh, That would be a no. It would be awesome if we could (laughs) have. I am a relatively slow reader, so there's no way that I can read uh, all of these new releases in time. Uh, before we record this episode. So, now, also, um, she wants to know... She, uh, the person who wrote in, uh, spoke to the fact that the books that we mention on the podcast, uh, she then looks up and uh, she takes our recommendations pretty seriously. And she wants to know that if these top five books are actually part of our recommendations. Now, traditionally, any book that we mention here on the podcast is something that we have personally read and enjoyed, and therefore, we recommend it to you. Uh, In this case, um, the books that appear in the top five are not uh, tacitly recommended by us. Um, What you should take into consideration is that these books are in the top five of their Amazon category, which means that someone is really into them. And these books a are, lot of people are, are making money with these titles. So, um, though we personally aren't, you know, recommending them ourselves, uh, I think the fact that they're mm. in the top five should speak to their quality. And yeah. you should probably check them out and uh, see if there's something you, they, you might be into. Yeah, and certainly it adds to our TBR in some cases. Yes, it does. There have been a couple of books that have been recommended in the top five that I've looked at and gone, hmm, and put them on my wish list for, for later <laughs> purchase. Exactly. Tis the season, and we here at the Big Gay Fiction Podcast are in a giving mood. Announcing our holiday paranormal paperback giveaway. We're giving you, our valued listeners, a chance to win a prize package filled with great reads, perfect for cozy winter nights in front of the fire. The grand prize package includes an autographed paperback of Soulstruck by Jacob Z. Flores, an autographed copy of The Grim Life by Katie Wirth, plus paperbacks of Jake C. Wallace's Soul Seekers and Dare to Love Forever. In addition, the grand prize winner and four runners-up will receive an audible download code for T.J. Klune's Wolf Song, narrated by Kurt Graves. To enter... Go to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com or visit the official giveaway page at BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash holiday. You can't win if you don't enter. So visit BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash holiday before the Rafflecopter ends on Sunday, December 11th. So speaking of books that we have read and do recommend... Jeff and I are going to talk briefly about some of the things that we have been reading recently. I want to recommend two books. The first book is The Greek Tycoon's Green Card Groom by Kate McMurray. And this is book number 14 in the Dreamspun Desires series. I just said I love the title. And I have been catching up on my Dreamspun Desires, and this is one that I read relatively recently. It is about a guy named Archie Katsaros. He is the Greek tycoon of the title. And he runs a real estate empire that was built by his father. 
and uh, he is currently trying to make it work without much success. The business is in trouble, and he ends up uh, entering into a marriage of convenience with one of his summer interns, a guy named uh, Andre Kovac, uh, who is in the country on a work visa, which has expired. So they come to an agreement. They're going to get married. Uh, Archie can uh, use some of Andre's uh, old world money to invest into the business. And then Andre is married. So he's going to eventually get his green card through this arrangement. Uh, they don't know each other particularly well uh, when they first uh, get hitched. And the book is basically their uh, journey to love. Of course, it's a romance. But it's really about them getting to know uh, each other, both personally and professionally. Um, they work together to get uh, Archie's family business back on track. Now, there are some um, <clears throat> reviews online that uh, weren't really feeling the chemistry between Archie and Andre. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I kind of see where they're coming from because there's a lot of uh, resistance to the romance with these two guys. They're very strong, intelligent uh, alpha men, and they don't easily give up their hearts. So it's not all, you know, uh, hearts and flowers from mm -hmm. the very beginning. Uh, they really do take their time getting to know one another. Uh, they have sex roughly halfway through the book, and they're <laughs> they really enjoy that. But <laughs> that still doesn't mean that they uh, trust each other with their hearts. I think the biggest problem uh, to their eventual uh, happiness is their the relationship starts on uh, a, a lie. Basically, they're, you know, pretending to be married. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? What if they're the whole basis of their relationship is, you know, fake. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the first book uh, of several recently that I have read that uh, used the marriage slash relationship of convenience uh, as the main trope. The second book I want to talk about really quickly is Romancing the Twin by Claire London. The, the Wrong Twin. Oops. Romancing the Wrong Twin by Claire London. Uh, this is also a marriage slash relationship of convenience story. Uh, in this particular case, um, it takes place in England. Uh, London, to be exact. That's appropriate. Uh, <laughs> uh, Claire loves her, her British boys. So it's about... Um, a guy named Dominic, uh, and he's an upper-class guy who's been using his family money to finance these mountain climbing trips all over the world. Basically, his job is being a professional adventurer. Well, the family money has run out, and he needs to raise money uh, for his next expedition. So, his sort of publicist comes up with a wacky idea to uh, get him to date someone high profile so he'll get on some magazine covers and get in the tabloids therefore attracting some sponsors and some interest so they set up a date with a supermodel named zeb z now unfortunately That's a great name <laughs> unfortunately zeb can't make it 
So he asks his twin brother Aiden to take his place. And Aiden is kind of a down on his luck uh, playwright and he needs the money, frankly. So he agrees to go on this date with Dominic. And uh, things uh, heat up almost immediately. They're attracted to one another. And of course, uh, like in the book that I just mentioned, the pretense that their relationship is, you know, uh, a falsehood from the start is an impediment to, you know, their real feelings. You know, if it starts out fake, well, what's really real? If they're, you know, is it all pretend or, mm-hmm. or not? What what I really, really enjoyed about this is not only Dominic and Aiden slash Zeb's journey to uh, their happily ever after. Um, Dominic is basically described as sort of a gruff alpha male. He is a muscle bear for lack of a better word. And Aiden is kind of a young, pretty boy twink, uh, obviously, because his brother is a highfalutin male model. So (laughs) what was really fantastic about this is that their first time in bed together, uh, Dominic bottoms for Aiden. And he really, really likes it. (laughs) Um, So kudos to Care Luck. Claire London for writing some really fantastic, uh, interesting sex and also subverting stereotypes. Uh, seeing Dominic, this sort of uh, gruff alpha male, uh, submitting in the bedroom and uh, really learning to open up emotionally to this new relationship, which is something, you know, he's not used to. Um, It's really, really wonderful. I like this book a whole lot. Incidentally, we have known Claire London personally for several years, uh, and I'm kind of ashamed to admit this is the very first Claire book I've ever read. Oh, my God. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) Yes, it's true. We have several Claire books sitting on our shelf, but this is the first one that I've gotten around to reading. And I'm really glad I did. I love this book an awful lot. I highly recommend it. Uh, Romancing the Wrong Twin. And I'm looking forward to reading that, because I've read a few Claire books. Yes. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading that one soon. Always good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, what I have uh, is from Michael Jensen, uh, who is releasing... His book, Man and Beast, on November 29th. So that's coming up right around the corner next week. Yeah. Uh, now, Man and Beast is actually a rebranded, uh, slightly updated version of his novel, Frontiers, uh, which I read. And you can see I've actually got the hardback of this book that came out in 1999. Uh, so it was... It was revisiting an oldie but a goodie for me, and among some of the first gay fiction that I read mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, I loved revisiting this book. Uh, it is, as you can guess by a name of a book that has, was originally called Frontiers, it is historical fiction. takes place uh, back in the... I should have written that part down, <laughs> but I know it's... Back in the olden days. Back in the olden <laughs> days. Uh, 1797, um, as settlers were spreading out uh, from you know the very east coast. So what we have here is a, a settler named John Chapman, who, as we meet him, uh, is running away because people have figured out that he's gay. Um, and he's trying to get away and warn his gay lover, who is a general at one of the forts. Yeah. Um, he gets away. He's trying to get west to stick a claim uh, in a new settlement. Uh, he ends up gets lost and he winters in a blockhouse that he believes 
is uh, part of the new settlement, um, that wintering goes a little wrong, to say the least, and I don't want to spoil too much there. Uh, and then the, the last third of the book, uh, he gets to a settlement and strikes a claim, um, tries to get, you know, meets up with the settlers who are already there, strikes up a few friendships, including one uh, with a former slave who's come north and is trying to make his way to Canada, uh, makes friends with an Indian woman who stays on kind of the outside of the settlement a little bit and is sort of... I won't say liked by the townspeople, but they appreciate some of the things that she can do for them, like helping to birth breech babies um, and some other things. John Chapman is actually uh, Johnny Appleseed. Now, historically, it's not known if Johnny Appleseed was gay, but it is gay. But that is who John Chapman is based on in this book, uh, is Johnny Appleseed. Um, I loved coming back to this book and just letting the story kind of fall out, fall over me again, because I don't... I remembered parts of it and general parts of it, but then some of the big plot turns in it I had, you know, kind of forgotten and put aside. Uh, Michael does such an amazing job of giving you the sense of place and setting the wilderness and setting the hardship of the land. Um, with uh, Chapman, he creates this really complex character because John Chapman is trying to forget that he's John and Johnny and this city boy who's trying to get, uh, become a frontiersman. And so he's trying to become more Chapman, who he believes is the stronger butcher, more hardworking, go get him kind of guy that he needs to be to survive uh, on the frontier. Along the way, there is a little bit of romance. There's a whole lot of action and adventure that goes on in it. Uh, some elements of mystery. It's 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 a great book. See, I think you're underselling the sort of th- thriller and action aspect of the story. I remember reading it 15 years ago and the part where he winters with that stranger was like super sexy and a little bit dangerous. And yeah. then and then eventually when he gets to the settlement, a whole lot of shit goes down and um, we don't know if the guy that he likes is like a serial killer or not. I mean, all crazy, crazy yeah, thriller stuff goes on. I, I think you were underselling that book. I'm sorry. I was underselling it. Michael, I apologize if you're listening. Um, but, yeah, I, I loved revisiting this. Uh, this is now what's known as book one in the Savage Land series. And book two will come out, uh, I believe it's in Q1 of 2017. And is actually a re-release of Michael's uh, Firelands, uh, which picks up part of this story and, and weaves some new stories. So I'm actually looking forward to revisiting that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um because there was also some some pretty crazy thriller stuff going on in Firelands. Oh, as yeah. Well. yeah. Um, and maybe some paranormal, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, as well. So what you should know about Men and Beast is that it is part of the Big Gay Fiction giveaway. Um, he's giving this away in advance of its actual release. So if you go to biggayfictionpodcast.com slash giveaway, his book is actually the first one in the first row of the books, because he's one of the uh, co-organizers of this. And actually, he's the one who brought me and the podcast into it. So go pick that up. You won't be won't be sorry. And I've got more of a review of Man and Beast on jeffandwill.com. Yes. Um, so now for more book recommendations, because <laughs> more, 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 uh, we visited this week with Lisa from The Novel Approach, who's got a Christmas book to talk about, as well as three books from debut authors. 
So we've got Lisa from the Novel Approach back with us. Lisa, good to see you again. Good to see you too. Hi, everybody. So I understand you've got four books for us this month, and I'm excited to hear about these. Uh, one of them's a holiday book, so let's kick off with that since it is Thanksgiving week. Let's do. Um, my holiday recommendation for this month is a book that comes out on November 22nd from author Jocelyn Drake. Uh, she might be well known. I, I think that she is. Uh, she primarily writes MF, but she has a series of books with uh, her co-author Rinda Elliott, um, and that is is going uh, just like Gangbusters, uh, Unbreakable Bonds, I believe it's called. I haven't reviewed it. Uh, one of my other reviewers has though, and uh, so she put together a Christmas novella called Walking on Thin Ice. And she sent it out. She she sent it out a review to the the reviewers, uh, kind of almost as, as a thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Um, this is a holiday novella that I've written. If if you want to review it, it would be so appreciated. If you just want to give it, you know, a plug to see some of your fellow readers, that's great too. But this is just something that I felt uh, she felt that she needed to write right now just a really good feel good christmas story so walking on thin ice is a uh, kind of a uh, almost a pretty woman kind of premise where uh, uh, the okay uh, without the without the prostitution angle <laughs> but, but uh you know it's the it's the wealthy businessman who uh needs needs a uh, a pretend boyfriend for a weekend to kind of act as a buffer between him and his family who, uh, uh, so it's kind of how, how they meet, uh, how they, how they arrange for this, this whole entire weekend to play out. And, uh, and, and then it's kind of just the, the weekend, mag the magic of Christmas and the warmth of family and them falling in love over the course of the holiday. So it's, uh, it was really heartwarming, very sweet, very low angst. If you're looking for something that's just uh, a really feel-good kind of book to get you into the holidays, Jocelyn Drake's Walking on Thin Ice. I, I really, really enjoyed that one. So can't wait to share my review with everyone. Perfect. And Perfect. I love and a good holiday. I love book. a good just for that nice, Just warm, that cozy, feel-good thing. You know what? Me too. Me too. I'm I'm exactly the same way. Sometimes you just want to cuddle up under a blanket with a book that's going to make you smile from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's kind of, uh, that. that's Jocelyn's book. It's just a really sweet, sweet holiday romance. So, you know, a little tropey, but... Hey, that's what that's what romance holiday romances are are supposed to be. They're supposed to be the books that you know you're going to go into and you're going to come out with a smile. So, yeah, it's really good, really good. Now, I also understand yeah. that you've got three more books to tell us about, and they kind of all link up together because they're all from debut authors. Yeah, yeah, these are all three uh, debut, at least in the MM genre. I'm, I'm assuming that they are all all just brand spanking new, first time out of the gates authors. Um, I have three of them that, uh, these are going to make my, that I read in the last month and a half that are going to make my 2016 best books of the year, uh, just came in strong at the finish. So, uh, the first one is called Bitter Legacy by Dal McLean or McLean. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but, uh, it's a, it's a murder mystery. Uh, the, uh, uh, protagonists are... Uh, very much 
not your typical uh, protagonist. The the one uh, the one protagonist is very uh, very much a non relationship. Uh, you know, just revolving kind of revolving door of men and the and his roommate who is a, a police detective who is investigating a series of murders or what is eventually turning out to be a serial. A serial set of murders, and uh, it, it's kind of about their relationship and how how uh, the one protagonist uh, is very much looking for the one, and he falls for the roommate, and the roommate is just like you know, nope, you know, we're just we're, I, that's not my thing, and so it's it's their dynamic and and how their relationship is all playing out against the investigation of these murders where it begins to turn out uh, to look like uh, the roommate might have some motive in, in them. So it's it was really, really great. I, I think that uh, she put everything together beautifully. It's a police procedural. So there's, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of focus on the investigation and and how you how investigators can take two steps or one step forward and two steps back throughout investigations because you've got all of these clues that lead to one thing and then it doesn't pan out and 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 meanwhile you've got you know more bodies turning up so it was just a really great pr- police procedural uh not uh, definitely not your traditional sort of of romance uh it was good it was really good came out came out of the blue and just blew me away. So and that was one of those books kinda that I, I purchased just on a whim and paid off big time. Paid nice. off big time. So always good love that. Always good. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you just go, ah, you know, that one sounds really good. And you throw it on your Kindle and the next thing you know, boom, there it is. It's gonna be one of my books of the year. So yeah, bitter legacy down the claim. Very, very good uh, police procedural murder mystery. Um, the next one is by an author, uh, Soren Summers, and it's called Monster, and book one in his Vertex series. Again, brand spanking new to the scene. Uh, it's a horror novel, sci-fi horror. Uh, it takes place in the corporate environment, very much a, um, a, a kind of a, a almost a dystopian corporate environment where... Uh, people this company is is doing bad things for what they think are the right reasons and and horrific 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 using human as, humans as guinea pigs bad things happening so so yeah uh, uh, in in the interest of the betterment of, uh, of mankind and and health and uh, not necessarily making men immortal but uh, but definitely in an effort to make uh, make them a little more impervious to disease and whatnot so this is it's a it's a little bit of morality play uh uh in that these folks that work for this corporation uh, there is a division called garbage men and basically they are in charge of disposing what goes wrong when the experiments go bad so so yeah it's very i love your face (laughs) but it's very much it's a horror novel it is yeah it does not paint pretty pictures but it was uh, it was fantastically written just extremely gripping uh and 
the, just the momentum through every single scene was just fantastic. And then, of course, there is uh, a relationship angle to it, too, where the, the two protagonists are, uh, they they work for the company as, as garbage men and... Uh, and it's, uh, again, it's it's a it's kind of a, a aberrant sort of uh, things going on, and and to people who are not uh, you know they they're not saints, uh, but so they're they're kind of working working way around relationships, and then uh, some surprises going on over here because everything's not what you think, and it was just really good. So, Monster by Soren Summers, it's another one that just blew me away, and. Uh, Going to the gentler, gentler uh, uh, side of things, Michael Scott Garvin's A Faithful Son uh, is probably one of the most effective novels I've read in, in not only this year, but an extremely long time. Uh, it's literary fiction. It's, uh, it begins in uh, 1959, I believe it is. It starts in 1959 in Durango, Colorado. And it's the story of a boy his family is deeply Baptist, um, and uh, it, the there. I don't want to give away the whole plot because there's so many things that happen. But the family disintegrates after a tragedy, and and uh, so the the uh, the the faithful son part of it comes in. Uh, the main character is trying to reconcile his love for his mother and and staying faithful to her and. And, uh, and and her religious beliefs against the, the, the what's becoming more obvious to him as he's growing up is that he's he's gay and he's gay in a small town that is extremely religious and as such is not tolerant uh, of, of his of his homosexuality. And so it's a, it's it's a coming of age story. It's uh, the story of him, uh, breaking breaking away from the God that his mother believes in and yet still remaining faithful and respectful uh, of her uh, his move to California and Los Angeles uh, in Los Angeles and and finding someone that he wants to spend the rest of his life with but doesn't necessarily believe serves um, and, and it's just the ownership I, I think that what it ultimately comes down to is his being able to take ownership over his his life and who he is and and yet still love and respect his mom so it was just uh it is just a gorgeous gorgeous novel uh, i'm getting choked up just talking about it i was sobbing at the end but it, it's just really really a lovely novel so michael scott garvin a faithful faithful son highly highly recommended excellent book Fantastic. So, yeah. So we'll definitely yeah. look at So those up. are my... Oh, I'm ahead. sorry? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so those are my three debut authors that are just, I'm super excited about keeping an eye on. Fantastic. So, yeah. so we'll link up to the holiday book plus those three in the show notes so that everybody can go get them. Uh, now, Excellent. we should mention that coming up here very soon for the novel approach is the fifth anniversary, which is on December 7th. Yeah, fine. Five years, five years ago, I, uh, you know, I came that little domain and said, I'm just going to sit here and talk about books. And, uh, you know, I, I had come from two other blogs uh, and and decided that I was just going to go ahead and, and throw this out there 
just for a place for me to start talking about books. And here we are five years later with a staff of, you know, gosh, a regular contributing staff of at least a good half dozen and then folks who, who contribute when they can. So, so yeah, so it's, it's kind of a grown up, grown up for the, the, over the five years, it's a, you know, it's a labor of love and it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it pays, uh, it pays homage to my, uh, my love of reading and my love of books. And I think that, you know, it's, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, we've got authors who drop by all the time. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a collaborative effort. I couldn't do it without every single member of my review team, uh, and every single author and publisher that, that, uh, that works with us. So yeah. So five years. Woohoo. Well done. Happy well, anniversary. Happy anniversary. Uh, well, thank you. I know, thank you know you. we're still a few weeks out from the anniversary, but I know you've got big things planned. Can you give us a little tease of what's coming up for anniversary I, time? Well, I do. I currently have uh, 75 authors and at least one publisher, possibly two publishers who are going to be contributing giveaways galore for the entire month of December. So we are uh, we are working. I, I was just telling you that I've got to put nose to the grindstone and get my schedule figured out for all of this. But it's going to be a month of, of giveaways for the entire December 1st through December 31st, uh, a month of, of giveaways. Not, not to mention the fact that we will have also in December our book of the year uh, nominations from all of us. So it's going to be a huge month in December. Awesome. I might not be coming up for air awesome. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so so much for reading. We will definitely push people over to the Dalo approach for for December to check out all those fun activities. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's going to be fun. It'll be a lot of fun for readers, I hope. Keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, Lisa, thank you so much right. for for giving us some book recommendations so book and sharing the anniversary sharing plans the anniversary. with us. We will see thank you, you. Will see probably, probably early in 2017. 2017. So happy Thanksgiving happy and happy Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Unbelievable, unbelievable that we're already looking at the end of the year. But happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas to you and well too. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So one of the things we're doing this Friday uh, is we're going to have a six-hour sit-down with Netflix because it's time to go back to the Gilmore Girls. Uh, we've been watching... On and off this past weekend, as Up has been doing a 153-episode marathon of the Gilmore Girls. That's all seven seasons uh, running all week leading into Friday's Netflix release of uh, A Year in the Life. Is that what they're calling it? Uh, winter, Spring, Summer, and Fall, making a riff off of their uh, theme, song. theme song. So as getting ready for this, we've developed our top five Gilmore Girls episodes. So what are your five favorites? Well, in no particular order, I went through... Uh, frankly, I went to Netflix and look, <laughs> looked up the list of uh, every episode and went through them. 
and I found uh, five that I really enjoy. These are by no means like definitive best of or anything like that. And these are uh, my particular uh, favorite five in chronological order. Um, yeah, not top five order. So first I would like to mention Rory's Dance. Uh, that was from season one, and that's episode nine. This is the episode where Rory goes to her first Chilton formal. Uh, she takes Dean. Uh, I like this episode a lot. It features a lot of the Chilton people, including uh, Paris and uh, Madeline. Em Madeline and Louise. You've also got Tristan mm. and uh, his sort of uh, childish... Um, looking back on it, Tristan is uh, both adorable and really sad. It's obviously he's crazy nuts in love with Rory, but he's doing it in the most ridiculously childish way. He's like pulling her pigtails throughout almost all of season <laughs> one. It's really, it's pretty sad, really. Um, but uh, he's really good. Tristan is really good in this episode uh, because he's so pathetically sad. Uh, also, uh, after the dance, uh, Dean and Rory end up falling asleep at Miss Patty's. Uh-oh. Causing a panic, leading to one of the best written fights between Lorelai and Emily. Mm -hmm. um, I think this early in the series, we know that there's uh, deep problems between the two of them. But this fight really illustrates the troubled history uh, between the two of them. Yeah. Okay, moving on. The next one I really enjoy is The Road Trip to Harvard, Season 2, Episode 4. This is the one where Lorelai turns runaway bride uh, and leaves poor Mr. Medina at the altar, essentially, and they, uh, she and Rory go on a road trip. Uh, they end up at the... Cheshire Cat. Cheshire Cat Inn. One of which the most is, frightening B&Bs oh, ever. Oh, oh, Lord, what a B&B. &B. Uh, they also end up going to Harvard. I like this episode because they get out of Stars Hollow and sort of experience some new and weird stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I really enjoy that. Uh, next episode I want to mention is the Bracebridge Dinner mm -hmm. from Season 2. That's Episode 10. I love this episode because it basically it includes absolutely everybody. <laughs> uh, it's really funny, um, really charming. In this particular episode, um, a large group cancels an event at the Independence Inn. So Lorelai basically invites all of Stars Hollow to come have dinner at the inn. Uh, hilarity and weirdness, of course, ensues. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this episode was one of my honorable mentions uh, to my top five as well, because yeah. I really enjoy that one. It's a really funny, very charming episode, and uh, there's uh, sleigh rides and fake snow, and who can beat that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one I want to mention is The Lorelei's First Day. This is the episode where uh, Lorelei takes Rory to Yale and tries to move her in to her uh, new... Um, the dorm. Into the dorm, uh, and it takes the entire episode. Uh, it's really funny. Mm -hmm. It's classic. I will sit down and watch this episode whenever I see it on. Uh, it's pretty much uh, perfect uh, Gilmore Girls. Mm -hmm. um, and the last one I want to mention is Raincoats and Recipes from Season 4, Episode 22. This is the episode where they do the dry run 
of the Dragonfly Inn. Uh, once again, uh, <laughs> Lorelai is opening the Dragonfly, and she invites basically all of Stars Hollow to come stay uh, before they open officially. Uh, craziness, shenanigans ensue. This is also the finale of season four in which Rory sleeps with Dean. And that leads to all sorts of crap <laughs> next season. <laughs> and of course, this is also a key episode for Richard and Emily, too, because they've been going through a lot of stuff. And when they get stuffed into that cabin... Um, they are not happy people. <laughs> no. Yeah, this is one of my, that was one of my honorable mentions as well. Very good. Episode. So my top five runs in order of my topness, if you will. <laughs> it's a true um, top five. It's mean. a true top five. Okay. Uh, starting off with season two, episode twelve, Richard in Stars Hollow. Uh, over time, both Emily and Richard were both in Stars Hollow solo for various reasons. Uh, this is also the one where Dean presented Rory with the car that he built for her. Richard is none too pleased with this car that has been built by this teenager. <laughs> and they go on for a long time of is it, if it's safe or not, yeah. in front of Lorelai, in front of Gypsy. Um, ultimately, it's deemed safe, and she's allowed to take the car. Uh, but I really like this, that it gets Richard out of his normal environment and to Stars Hollow. Uh, and you really see, I mean, you, with Richard, you always see how much he loves Rory. Mm -hmm. No matter what. Um, number two, uh, season three, episode 16, The Big One. Uh, here, Rory gets her <laughs> acceptance to Yale. But to me, what really makes this is after, you know, three seasons of watching Paris try to be top dog, Paris finds out she does not get into Yale. And she has a super mega meltdown <laughs> on C-SPAN. <laughs> Uh, because C-SPAN is airing a live uh, debate from Chilton, in which I believe Rory and Paris are on the same team. Mm -hmm. And, of course, pa uh, Rory's trying to carry the whole thing while Paris is just having a supreme meltdown. Um, number three, episode 10 from season two, is Emily in Wonderland. This one is where Emily shows up to Stars Hollow to spend the day with Rory and tour the town. They go to Luke's, um, but they also end up and have lunch at the Chinese place, I believe. I can't think of what the Chinese place is called right now. Uh, but this is really touching because Rory, in not thinking about quite what she's doing, takes Emily around the Independence Inn, including the small, uh, almost shed that she and Lorelai stayed in for the years when they you know, had fled uh, Emily's house and moved to Stars Hollow and were taken in by the in by the person who was running the inn at the time. And that really strikes Emily and it's really kind of a touching moment um, for her to see what her daughter went through uh, when she was out of her life. Mm -hmm. Now, both Richards in Stars Hollow and Emily in Wonderland made my um, supplemental list? No, what are we calling it? Honorable mentions. Honorable mentions, yes. If you love Richard and Emily as much as we do, these are, you know, uh, definitely must-see episodes. Yeah. I, I agree with your choices there. Uh, number four is from season five, episode 13, Wedding Bell Blues. Uh, this is where Richard and Emily renew their vows. Uh, they're getting back on track from that episode uh, when they opened the uh, Dragonfly Inn, where they were kind of falling apart at the edges. Uh, what I really like about this is that it still shows, after all this time, how Emily really wants Christopher to be the person that Lorelai ends up with. He's She's invited him to the renewal of the vows, uh, 
Lorelai's there with Luke. Christopher gets drunk and intervenes. There's a whole sideline of Rory getting caught with Logan. Um, but the really chilling moment at the end of the episode, which is such a, it's such a close up for Lauren Graham and uh, uh, I can't think of her name all of a sudden. Who who plays Emily? Kelly. Kelly. Kelly Bishop. Uh, as there's this one close up when they're getting together for this last picture, and Lorelai just whispers in her ear, "We're done." Because she felt she'd been manipulated one too many times, um, and it's quite it's quite an episode. Uh, and my number five is from season five, episode five. We got a Pippi Virgin. Uh, Dean and Rory are back together as Dean is broken up with his wife. Uh, Luke and Laura lie are together, and they're all going on a double date, which starts at the bookstore to see uh, Pippi Longstocking, which uh, Luke has never seen somehow or another. Uh, and it ends at the Gilmore household with a big game of Angry Bop It. Um, it, it it's just a funny episode, and I, I love the dynamic between the four of these people who've known each other forever and yet can't immediately stand to be in the room with each other. Uh, to briefly go over my other honorable mentions, uh, Season 2, Episode 12, Help Wanted, uh, where Richard's opening up a business uh, when he's going solo from the insurance company that he worked for. Yeah, that's another really good one. Um, the scene of him and Lorelai shopping in Staples is brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Super fun. Uh, season 3, Episode 7, they shoot Gilmore's Don't They, which is the big dance contest, which is the initial breakup between uh, Dean and Rory, which is, it just makes me sad that it happens. But, you know, that's because Jess is a dick and he just can't help but break them up. Because, no, yes, I'm Team Dean all the way. No, uh, and season four, episode seven, the Festival of Living Art. Uh, it's one of Kirk's best episodes as he is playing Jesus in the Last Supper and he just. <laughs> loses it with his 12 apostles who are in that painting with him. But it's it's such a quintessential Stars Hollow episode where you see the crazy stuff and the festivals they put on in that town. Mm-hmm. What are the rest of your... Um, um, I think I think it's interesting that you have a very Richard and Emily heavy list. Mm. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what that says about you. I'm not um, sure other than, other than that, I I agree. I love them to pieces. I really, really do. They're one of the best things about the show. I wanted to mention Paris. I love Paris to death. I think she's absolutely hilarious. One of the most intense people ever to appear on television. I want to sh- give a shout out to the episode Lazy Hazy Crazy Days. Um, this is the episode... Um, what is it? Season three. It's the season three opener. Uh, she and Rory have spent part of the summer in Washington, D.C. as some sort of like... Internship or something. Young leadership conference, whatchamacallit. And they've been like staying in a room together. And Paris gets axed out by Jamie. And a part of the episode is her meltdown about going out on this, uh, her essentially her very first serious date, yep. and how Rory helps her through that. I think it's a very classic, hilarious Paris moment, um, as well as the one you mentioned where she melts down on C-SPAN. Uh, that's classic. Yep. Also, I really, really enjoy uh, Girls in Bikinis, Boys Doing the Twist from Season 4, Episode 17. This is the episode where Rory and Paris go on spring break. 
and lots of really weird shenanigans ensue. It's, yeah. It's very, very funny. It's a hoot. I, I like <laughs> that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and you'll notice in our list that there's nothing from season six and nothing from season seven. Uh, for us, this we did watch season six, and it, the show started to go off the rails a little bit, as it kept trying to split that storyline between Stars Hollow and Yale. Uh, and then season seven, the only thing we watched was the actual season finale. And having read through the descriptions, I'm like, what show is that? Because we never watched those episodes. They're just bad. Season seven is considered by some people the lost season. Um, it was funny. The Gilmore Girls are on the cover of Entertainment Weekly this week. Uh, and they have an oral history of the Gilmore Girls. And at one point, uh, Lauren Graham, they are talking to Lauren Graham, and uh, she was speaking to the fact that while she was on set filming this uh, last series of uh, movie specials, um, there was a line in one of the scripts where they, Lorelai mentions that she's been married. And Lauren goes, no, I haven't. And they had to have <laughs> one of the uh, hardcore uh, fans tell her that, yes, you actually were married. Uh, Lorelai married Christopher in season seven. And Lauren's like, oh. <laughs> and yeah. she admits she kind of blocked that out. Yeah, um, there was something I read in there, because I've read bits of that article, where Kelly Bishop actually had to, which of the writers at least once, it was like, Emily wouldn't say that. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we, we don't discuss season seven. Yeah. So we're really, really glad that these four movies are showing up now and get to wrap up the series in the proper manner. Team Dean! No, Team Jess, all the way, baby. Actually, what I just came up with earlier today is that Jess and Dean were always at odds with each other because they really had latent affection for each other, and perhaps they could go find that and just be their own couple in the re in the revival. But, you know, that's just some weird flash, fic flash fiction on my part, so, or slash, rather. Um, looking quickly at some other TV, some things to point out coming up this week. If you're a Broadway fan, Thanksgiving Day is always a good one. Uh, performing on the NBC Parade, you've got Waitress, Hairspray Live, Cat, Cirque du Soleil's Paramore, and Holiday Inn. Which is a great lineup for this year. Yeah. Um, and then over on CBS, uh, the Color Purple School of Rock and On Your Feet will be performing. Um, the NBC stuff will run from 9 to 10 Eastern. It's always consolidated in that first hour. The CBS stuff starts at 9, but they kind of sprinkle it out throughout their parade yeah. coverage traditionally. So looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. um, ever so quickly, because we, we talked our Gilmore Girl stuff to death. Um <laughs> We, of course, pay attention to the superheroes on The CW. And not only is there crossover coming up next Monday, November 28th, yeah. so Monday through Thursday, they'll start on Supergirl and shenanigans will ensue through Supergirl, Flash, The Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Um, but in the last two weeks, they've actually had Alex, who is Supergirl's adopted sister, uh, come out. I thought in a very... Touching way. Um, I thought it was well handled. Uh, she fell in love with one of the police officers who ends up at all the superhero crime scenes. Well, not the superhero, the alien crime scenes in National City. Yeah. Uh, it was really well handled. Um, your thoughts on that, sir? I like it a lot. I think... I think the first season she was... Well, everyone was secondary to Supergirl. They're uh, building up 
you know, her story. And it was important during that first season to make um, her hero's journey very clear because that's the heart of the show. So uh, what's interesting is that um, Alex uh, does have issues with that. Um, always coming second to her uh, alien, essentially, stepsister. Um, so this... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say other than it was uh, written really well, really intelligently. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, congratulations. I'm glad she came out. Yeah. If, <laughs> if you like kick-ass lesbian women, then you should be probably checking out some of these CW shows. We have uh, Alex Danvers on Supergirl, and we've also got Legends, our new mm-hmm. captain. Um, Sarah Lance. Sarah Lance. She's yeah. been kicking ass in the most fantastic and extreme way possible. Uh, the show has really come into its own now that she's kind of stepped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no, no secret that I thought Rip Hunter was a complete and utter douche. <laughs> Um, I hated him with the passion of a thousand, you know, fiery sons. Uh, I am so, so glad that, uh, Sarah has stepped into the captain's role, uh, on the ship and basically on the series. And I think, um, it's moving in a really positive direction. Yeah. I've been very pleased, uh, where, where Legends has gone this season. Uh, one other quick shout out, uh, The Voice has gone live and we're doing, it'll be top 11 when the show airs this week on Monday the 21st. Um, I'm totally in Team Billy Gilman. And um, how? Yes. For the season. He's doing some amazing work. Uh, he did, oh, I'm blanking because I didn't write it down. What was the really awesome song he did? Oh, well, they're all awesome. That blew everybody away. Um... <laughs> The show must go on. He sang Queen. Yeah, the Queen yeah. song that he did was yeah. amazing. I, he's he's doing such good work in rooting it kind of in his own life story, which just helps him to sell the emotion of every song mm-hmm. uh, that he's doing. His version of Crying also was outstanding. That's the one I was trying to come up with oh, okay. um, before. Yeah. Um, but there's it's such good talent, uh, once again, on the show this season. So. Yeah. Very pleased, but... Very much enjoying it. I think I, I, I'm going Billy for the win right now. Mm, that's a very strong possibility. Yeah, there's very, some, very strong. he's got some strong competition with one or two others, but... I agree. Go Billy. I agree. So, I think we're done for the I week. Think that'll do it for this week's episode. Coming up next week at episode number 60, 60... Crazy. How'd that happen? I know, right? What the heck? So coming up in episode 60, we've got Z.A. Maxfield here to talk about her latest book, My Cowboy Freedom. Yeah, looking forward to that. Sam's one of my favorite people. Exactly. She's amazing. Yeah. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody, and uh, we'll see you back here next week. Bye, guys. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.